So I'm going to do a quick recap on what Colin has been talking about just to, to bring us up to, to date. Uh, that we've been doing a series on putting off and putting on. And it's a process. And it's a process where we realize and then remove what we are wearing our naked, and, and reveals our, our nakedness. We renew the spirit of our minds, who we are underneath. We redress spiritually with the appropriate clothes. And it's a process. It's a movement from false comfort of the familiar through the discomfort of transition to being clothed in Christ. And we have to realize that this requires us to be intentional throughout the process. Everything in life, everything in life, I mean everything in life that we have value for, we have intention about it. That's why we, so you can guarantee, even though they might be a wee bit out of their depth, that the, the people's, the new parents, they're going to be super extra special, intentional about this uh, wonderful bundle of joy that's just come into their, their lives. Um, uh, it's a continual process and it is the life of a disciple. We are destination disciples on the road to the destination Jesus Christ so that we can become mature, attain to the whole nature and uh, measure on the fullness of Jesus Christ. Ephesians uh, 4 verse 11. Your personality cannot, cannot take you to your God given destiny. You've got to get over that and pass. It doesn't mean you don't take it with you, but you can't. That will not get you to the destination. Uh, only yielding to the Spirit of God will get, to, get you to the destination of Jesus Christ. And then last week, Colin was talking about the atmosphere of change is love, hence our excitement about being in the changing rooms uh, for the prayer meeting. Uh, and love turned, how about this for a quote? Okay, uh, Love turns over the stones that have weighed us down and exposes the critters that have taken up habitation underneath the weight of our experiences, drives them out, and repurposes the stones from supporting the darkness to building them into a structure that supports the light. <laughs> Good. I mean, that is... Let me read that again. Love turns over the stones that have weighed us down and exposes the critters that have taken up habitation underneath the weight of our experiences, drives them out, and repurposes the stones from supporting the darkness to building them into a structure that supports the light. What lives in the darkness needs to somewhere to hide. What is of the light seeks habitation, not hiddenness. It's good stuff. And uh, as Claire said last week when she was doing the announcements, sometimes she has to listen to it again online. And if you're listening online, it's really a bit weird talking to people who are not here. But if you're in the car or walking the dog or having a jog or whatever you're doing and you haven't uh, listened to the earlier uh, uh, weeks, you want to listen to the earlier weeks because they're really good stuff. So the key passage in this putting off and putting on is Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. And in the NIV it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So they were taught and we are teaching that we need to put off and we need to put on. And then the message it says, same verse, since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance, everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through, 
get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So today we're going to look at the inside of who we are and the foundational core of putting off and putting on. Same verse again, so we've done the NIV, we've done the message, now in the Amplified. Regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature. The regenerated and renewed nature. The regenerated and renewed nature. Created in God's image, God-like, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. So although we're in a continual process of putting off and putting on, renewing the mind of our spirit and expressing that in the way we live, if we have relationship in Christ, we have a regenerated and renewed nature. End of. We have a regenerated and renewed nature if we have relationship in Christ. So, little personal story, little personal uh, self-disclosure. Since the critical mass of the thatch got to a stage where there's just not enough to cover the top of my head as it did in the past, for about the last four or five years, when winter comes, I get into serious difficulty. Because I can keep warm quite often, but uh, when I get cold, I do actually get into a mild state of hypothermia. Right, uh, And uh, if you know what hypothermia is, that's when your body core temperature gets so low that it's really extremely difficult uh, to uh, warm it up. And in some situations, it's actually quite serious. Now, where I work, unfortunately, there happens to be a large vent above my head. It also happens to be an air conditioning, which maybe works, and then after a while it goes, you know what, it's a cat, I call them cats, you know, uh, like bits of uh, technical equipment and things that they just go, like dogs are like, I love you, I love you, I'm faithful. I'm so glad to see you. Cat comes in, cat goes, So the air conditioning goes, no, not today. Or, no, I'm going out. Or I'm going out now. No, it's cold air. It's 29 degrees and still feels like 14 degrees in the room. And I have this cold air blowing the top of my head. So in work in the last number of weeks, I have got really... I mean really, really cold. I try putting on two pairs of socks. I've got thermal underwear, all that stuff. But I am freezing. And it doesn't matter what clothes I put on, I cannot get myself warm. Now, it got to such an extent, am I making you feel cold, Claire, as I say that? So uh, about two weeks ago, it was really cold. I came home. I had thermal underwear on. I had my jacket on. I had my gloves on. I had my scarf on. I had a big woolly hat on my head. And I came home and I sat in the house for an hour before I took it off because I was just freezing. Spiritual hypothermia. If you don't have your core temperature in the right place, if you don't have it correct, if it's not foundational, then you can put on all the clothes you want, all the clothes you want, and it's not going to keep you warm. Uh, because it's not a matter of what you put on. It's a matter of who you are. So the message title today is Putting 
on dominion. We want to address the foundational core of our identity. Um, at this stage, I'm going to say, I'm going to, what I'm going to share is profoundly simple, right? And I have a sense that if you can receive the profound, profound simplicity of this message, there will be an inbreaking of the Spirit in your life, and you will be undone, and you will be unraveled, and you will never be the same again. So in faith, I ask you to step up to this message now. Embrace its simplicity, receive its truth, and let it change you. Peter, can we just turn this down a wee bit? It just seems a wee bit uh, echoey. So dominion described or defined in the dictionary is sovereignty or control. And the thesaurus, it's supremacy, ascendancy, dominance, authority, mastery, control, command. Leadership, influence. Supernaturally, I would define it as delegated spiritual authority received by choice, in submission and with responsibility. So when we put on dominion, we need to uh, receive intentionally, by choice, in submission and with responsibility. We need to lay hold of. Now, in the last few weeks, I've talked about the, this Greek word, katalambano, which although people can't really say it, uh, the, the, the spirit, the spirit connection of it, it's about getting hold of it. It's just about grabbing it like uh, 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 a cowboy uh, getting a calf and uh, lassoing it and pulling it to the ground and tying its legs and then branding it. We want to get hold of it, like really get hold of it. And that requires intention. That requires choice, submission, responsibility to lay hold of our dominion. So I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. The reason why it is a rhetorical question is because I had a, a, a not, it was a, it was okay experience, but there was a, a quite a large conference and I was really, I was sitting in the front seat like Colin, I was getting really excited and, uh, or not excited, I was really getting into the message. And the person said, whoever said, whoever uh, would say that the, the Lord is their, uh, uh, their strength, uh, just stand up in the chair. And in enthusiasm, I stood up in the chair. I expected the room to be full of people standing up. I turned around, there's not a single person in the room standing up. Two things hit me. One was, they were a little bit humiliated. And the other side of, contrary to that was, wow. Wow. Like, now I know there's the whole cultural thing, not stand up in the chair. Could all the males stand up in the chair? I'm not standing up in the chair. Uh, like we're just culturally, we don't want to do that. But I was quite shocked at the time. So this is a rhetorical question, okay? You don't have to put your hands up. You don't have to stand up in the chair. You don't have to shout out. It's a rhetorical question, and it goes like this: Who could say, with absolute certainty, using the adjectives of Neil Anderson in Victory Over Darkness, with regards to who you are in Christ, that you could state, "I am accepted." secure, and significant. So accepted, defined in Ephesians 1.1 as a saint. Uh, Ephesians 1.5, adopted child. Colossians 1.14, redeemed and forgiven for all my sins. We are saints, or holy ones, or righteous ones, as described in Scripture. Uh, We are not sinners. We are saints who sin, but we're not sinners. So we're accepted. Two, secure. 
2 Corinthians 21 to 22, we are established, anointed, and sealed. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Accepted, secure, significant. John 15, 16, chosen and appointed to bear fruit as God's co-worker, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, and co-heirs with Christ, Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So the rhetorical question, who could say with absolute certainty with regards to who you are in Christ that you could state, I am accepted, I am secure, I am significant. Three possible reactions to that. One is, you're going to stand the chair. If I could, if he hadn't said it was a rhetorical question, I'd be up there, I am in, I am there, I am. The second uh, is, life, it's the other end of the second, I'm just trying to hang on here. That's just too much. I, I don't even want to consider that because in, in the reality of our experience, although we are saved and we are saints, we are in a dark and damp and, and, and depressing dungeon with not only no lock on the door, uh, or the, the door is unlocked, there's no lock on the door because of what Christ did, but we, we can't process it. We, we, we just, we're just there. And depend on our mood, depend on our weather, depend on what's happening in our life, we're somewhere in between those two extremes. That question is directed to how we subjectively or how we objectively process the truth. And that's frequently processed through our soul, our mind, our will and emotions. So we are trying to work it out with our mind, we're trying to push through with our will, and we're trying to feel it with our emotions. And as the saying goes, and how is that working for you? How warm and toasty are you with that sort of process, right? I want to give you a biblical example. Very famous piece of scripture, the prodigal son. Luke 15, 11 to 24, in the message, Jesus gives this parable. There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. I want right now what's coming to me. So culturally, basically what he was saying, drop dead, dad. It was just about the most offensive thing because you got your inheritance when the father died. So if you said, hey, dad, I want my stuff right now. You can think of all the inappropriate signs that you could do uh, to that if you saw that in certain films. For those who are listening online, I'm not doing any inappropriate signs at this moment in time. Uh, But it's basically the most offensive thing they could possibly say. I want you dead. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger man packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. Again, He's a Jew, culturally working with the pigs. Pigs were considered to be unclean. Uh, He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. As low as you could go, bar death really. Actually wanting the food from the unclean animals. Just 
he had got so low. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. So as far as he was concerned, processing through his soul, his actions and lifestyle had disinherited him. And it, but he knew that what his father's house had, uh, and he reasoned that if I went back as a servant, that would do, and, and I would get by, and I'd be all right. So it says, he got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding. In the NIV, it says, filled with compassion, and he ran out. Just stop it there. Get the picture. Cultural no-no. The main man in the, in the community doesn't need to hurry to do anything. Starts when I get there. Tea's ready. When I come to the kitchen, doesn't have to run, doesn't have to do anything. So in certain cultures, the men just sort of wander about because they don't have to be in any hurry, they don't have to be in any rush because when things happen, they happen because I'm the main man. So when the main man sees his son from a distance who he thought was dead and his heart starts to beat out of his cavity and he starts to run down the road because he's filled with compassion and he embraces him to the the people who were listening to that parable in the day, that was like wild. That was just culturally, they couldn't get their head out. He would run. He would run. Not only that, when he actually arrived then, he embraced him. He kissed him. The son started to speak, whatever he was going to say. Father, I've sinned against God. I sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But Jesus says, but the father wasn't listening. He was calling his two servants, quick, Bring the clean set of clothes and dress him. Put on the family ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Why, why, why is the father not listening to the speech? He said to him, drop dead, dad. Give me the money. He Went off to another country, spent all his money, came back to grovel. Why did, he, why did he embrace him? Why did he kiss him? Why did he give him those things? Because my son is here. Love is so intense, so unconditioned that all cultural norms are abandoned. P-R-T-Y, because we've got to. My son is here. My son is here. And here's the punchline. Wearing and putting on his father's clothes did not, did not, did not, did not make him a son. He was a son. Get it? He was a son. I don't know what state little Caleb was when he was given to his mother on Friday afternoon. Maybe he didn't look the best. Maybe he had a little bit of blood on him, a bit of that white stuff uh, was wrapped in maybe not the, 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 the clean and sterile, but maybe not the, 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 uh, the perfect thing. I saw a picture which was born in 2018. Uh, they got the, the baby grow in. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Caleb was wearing. 
He's their son. He's their son. How much more? How much more with our Heavenly Father? So, my first grandchild. You've maybe heard this story before. It's worth telling again. Such a... So, born on the 31st of October. Early in the morning. It's a Friday. I'm working on 9 to 9. Everybody's going during the day to visit the grandson. I can't see the grandson because I'm working. Uh, visiting stops about 8 o'clock or something like that. I'm texting going, you know, hey, I got like a full day. I don't know when I'm going to get down to see him. And uh, Jonathan, my son, says, no, no, you'll be all right. We'll, we'll get you in. It's all right. So I got all right a wee bit early, like 8 o'clock, bombed down the, uh, the motorway. And as I walked into the, the building, I was going, I'll go up the stairs rather than the... Uh, so I'll go up the stairs. I'm going up the stairs going, this building's very... What, when's the last time I was in this building? And the last time I was in the building was to take my baby son, Jonathan, out of the hospital. So the last time I sat and uh, stepped in that building was a whole generation before. So I'm coming around the, the, the end of the queue. Uh, and all I want to do is bless them and love them. But my head's sort of spinning at that to start with. Then Jonathan, I was just going to, he jumps up out of the seat. He's got Noah in his hands. He, he uh, says, have a seat. Uh, and he puts Noah into my arms. Now, I can't describe what that was like. It wasn't like, the, it was like a oneness, uh, a, a togetherness. And then to compound it, my son goes, meet Noah, John, Charlotte's dad's name, Andrew. And I go, oh. At that moment, I decide I can either break down and cry like a baby or I can repress it and cry later. I chose the latter and <laughs> repressed it and cried, cried uh, a lot for uh, several days later. He is my grandson. He is my grandson. Doesn't matter what he's wearing. Now, just in case people go, what about your children? Look, here's the way it works, which... Uh, as you get older, and for the grandparents here, they understand, as you get older a little bit wise, you get a little bit of perspective. You, you get to appreciate things in life much more. Now, at the time, it, it was a very intense experience when my children were born. But that intensity was all about, I can remember coming back from the hospital when Leah was born and standing in the bedroom going, okay, okay, so, so I'm a father. Uh, like Hillary, the... the you know, the hormone switch had gone. She's a mother. She's in, carried, him, carried her for nine months. She's like, good to go. I'm going, uh, I was frankly a bit overwhelmed. Uh, and I was just trying to play catch up the whole time, right? Do I love my daughter and my son? Absolutely. Does it matter what they do to me? No. My love for them is unconditional, will not be affected by them. Uh, their identity is their identity. They are my son. They are my Daughter, if she's listening to this, she'll tell me I got it the wrong way around. Uh, she, she is my daughter. She is my son. Uh, he is my grandfather, my grandson. And here's the other thing. So I'm really losing. Here's the other thing. Nancy Bournes, Dennis Bournes' wife, right, came out with this profound thing, which was you think you've only got enough room in your heart for one. And then another one comes along and your heart just gets bigger. Now, right, there's a grandmother laughing at that one. What's that all about? That's about identity. That's about the, the father's love, the mother's love. How much more 
your heavenly Father. Says Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world and everybody in it. He loved the world. He loves us. Perhaps we cannot imagine a father's heart and love. Maybe the father's, the word father is toxic, traumatic. Maybe it leaves you numb because you have little or no experience of a father's unconditional love. And the wounds of those experiences still leave you raw, shattered, and incomplete. So as a human, natural, and spiritual father, and a representative of fathers, I want to say today that I am so, so sorry that as fathers that we have not delivered to you as you should. Sons who are yearning just to know that big question, have I got what it takes? Am I significant? Am, have I got what it takes? And that is not answered. Daughters who want to know, am I safe? Am I secure? Is it going to be all right? And there's no answer. Maybe you just never had a father, never knew a father intentionally or through circumstance, or maybe you had a father there, but he wasn't there. Absent, violent, abusive, in words, actions, tearing you down, not building you up. Maybe trauma, disappointment, fear, And because there's no experience, influence, or modeling, it's left you exposed and vulnerable and unprepared for life. As a representative of fathers today, as a representative of your father, I want to say sorry. I want to ask you to forgive us. I'm not asking you to excuse us, I'm asking you to forgive us so that you can let go of what you have carried towards us. You're not letting us off. You're releasing yourself from the, the, the burden of offense and the weight and prison that that is in your lives. Because it's time to put off the old self and see that our identity and see that our earthly heritage is in him. You've got to take off the orphan. Right now, you may be going, I don't know what's happening here. Spirit to spirit, just take off the orphan. Take off the disappointment. Take off the trauma. Take off the why not or why them. Take it off. The loss of bereavement, the physical loss of bereavement and the 
the almost horrendous thought that I actually blame my, my father for not being around when it was nothing to do with him or uh, sickness or uh, circumstances or trauma took him from me. But yet we still feel he, he left me and abandoned me. Take that off. That you're disqualified. That you're unprepared. That you're, you're just a pauper. You've been dealt a, a really bad hand and you can't make it. Take that off. Today, in Jesus' name, put on your dominion as a child of God, your right and your responsibility. And as the spiritual father in this house, I say to you, you are accepted, you are secure, and you are significant. You are accepted, you are secure, and you are significant. Let it come. Let it come. Look at me. Look at me. You're, look at me. You're accepted. You're accepted. Let it come now. You're accepted. Look at me. And you're secure. Let it come. Let it come. And you are significant. Because you have been loved with an everlasting love. You have been drawn with loving kindness. And in Jesus' name, we break the curse and the assignment of the evil one to say that you're not worth it. In Jesus' name, we set you free. Let him come now. Let him come. It's not hype. It's not emotion. It's the spirit. He would say to us today, you cannot earn my love. You cannot earn my love. You are loved for I am loved. You are my children in whom I delight. Receive your dominion. Receive your dominion. You are a child of God. If you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. If you accepted that sacrifice that he paid on the cross, you are a child of God. No matter what you've done, no matter what was done to you, you are a child of God. Let's stand up and take our dominion. Let's lay hold of it. Even though life is, I can't really say what life is, but it's hit the fan and it's all over me and I know what's happening and I know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know whether I'm going to provide. I don't know whether I'm going to survive. I am a child of God. I am a child of God and I receive and stand in that dominion. Then I can start to put on the clothes and I can start to shine and I can start to make a difference. What shines like nothing else? People who have all that stuff from the fan all over them and don't know what's happening tomorrow and don't know how they're going to provide and they're shining like a light because they know they're a child of God and he loves me and that's enough for me. Let's embrace our dominion this day. Let's receive what he has for us this day. Will you stand with me please? 
Let's just have uh, Nathan, please. I would encourage you. Uh, I'd encourage you just to come forward now and receive your dominion, and embrace the fact that you are a child of God. And in saying that, what I would also say to invite you to response: if you have never, you're you're walking your dog, you're driving your car, you're having a cup of coffee, and you're having a 40-minute break from life, and you have never asked Jesus Christ. To into your life, now is the time. If you're in this room today, now is the time. He sent his son to die for you and life will come in all its fullness. The circumstances of your life may not uh, necessarily change overnight, but I guarantee you it'll be the best thing that you have ever done. If you need to receive Jesus Christ today, you have heard that message up and down, in and out, round about all your life and you have not done that, today is the day he calls you. He runs to you to embrace you this day. Do you need a revelation of the Father's love today? Do you need to put on your dominion today of who you are in Christ, a son or a daughter? Then please come and join me at the front. Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you to come and respond in faith. Respond in faith to this invitation that we might put off and receive our dominion as never before. That we are children of God. Spirit come in Jesus name let the Holy Spirit now bring those lies that you have put on yourself about your identity and take them off forgive those that have hurt you forgive your earthly father and the heritage of that so that you might receive your true identity in him. A daughter, a son. You don't have to rummage. As it comes, you're going to cast it off. You're going to let it go. But do it. It's today, it's now, it's significant. going on for you at the moment let it be spirit emotion because that what it, that's what it is when the spirit comes emotion proceeds that's okay Holy Spirit come